You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And the Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. Also a producer at 1660 ESPN Central Texas. And glad to be with you talking TCU Athletics. On another day, as this is Wednesday, October 28th, we are nearing closer to that rivalry matchup against Baylor. It's rivalry week. I know this game might feel kind of weird because both these teams are struggling. TCU's 1-3, Baylor's 1-2, but should be a fun one. Uh, coming up today, in the next segment, you hear from Tim Watkins. Tim covers Baylor for uh, Bears Illustrated, which is part of the 247 Sports Network. And he was on one of our radio shows today, so I'm going to let you hear some of that interview. Baylor is another team. These teams are pretty similar. I'll get into that in a minute and just how they're both kind of struggling so far this season. And in the last segment, uh, we got a basketball schedule for men's and women's basketball. It's coming, everybody. We're about a month away from Jamie Dixon and Reagan Peebley squads getting underway. And obviously, I imagine the women especially are going to be hungry to get back on the court after – they were headed to the NCAA tournament. They were going to snap that long drought that they had had. And then the season got cut short, unfortunately, because of COVID-19. So I know people who squads ready back on the court. Uh, Jamie Dixon's team had some moments last year. That win against Baylor in, it, in Fort Worth was huge. So can they bounce back and continue to improve? We'll take a look at who they'll be playing early on in the season coming up in that final segment. But first, I wanted to just give you a little primer on what to expect in Waco on Saturday, this is a Baylor team that's also really struggling offensively. They're coming off a 27-16 to loss to Texas. That's a Texas defense that's been struggling a lot. Charlie Brewer is not playing particularly well right now. There's some whispers in Waco. The fan base seems pretty frustrated with him. There are some people calling for his job. Larry Fedora has taken over as the OC. Dave Aranda hired him. He was at Texas last year as an analyst, obviously also the former coach at UNC, and their offense just hasn't meshed. I think similarly to TCU, they're struggling to find an identity right now. They have an offensive line that has not played well so far this season, and there were rumors that two of their best skill players, two running backs that they really lean on heavenly, were going to opt out, and Tristan Ebner and John Lovett. Apparently, those guys met with Coach Aranda, and they decided to stick with it. Both of those guys got four carries last week, and since they decided to almost opt out, I'm imagining they're going to get more than four carries this week against TCU. I think we might see a Baylor team that has a renewed commitment to running the football because of their struggles last week and because some guys were upset they didn't get the ball enough. So that's something to watch. And these game, these two teams always have a way of playing some pretty crazy games. You had the triple overtime game last year or the TCU defense was so great, and I feel like this is going to be a defensive struggle again. I think we could see a game where it's first one to 13 or 14 points ends up winning this thing. Can somebody make a play? Can somebody force a turnover on defense? This is a Baylor defense that's been pretty opportunistic this year. They forced three turnovers against West Virginia. They had an interception in that Texas game. So I'm kind of concerned about the Frogs being able to you know, hold on to the ball, not giving them the ball in plus field position. You cannot set up this Baylor offense that's not playing particularly well in good situations. You have to at least get first downs, flip the field, pin them deep, try to keep them 
from scoring, and they haven't had a lot of big plays. So can this defense really limit those big plays that they've been giving up in all the other games this year and find a way to, to get in a good rhythm? Those are some things to watch. One guy that I know this game means a lot to is Travius Hodges, TCU corner. He's, he's from Midway High School, which is right there by Baylor. I know he was recruited heavily by that Matt Rule staff, and he eventually decides to go where his uncle, LaDainian Tomlinson, went in TCU. He's a TCU legacy, and he spoke with the media today. So we're going to hear a little bit of that. Uh, actually, I guess it was Tuesday because you're hearing this on Wednesday. I'm recruiting. I'm recording this on Tuesday night. But here's um, Travius Tomlinson talking about this Baylor game, what it means to him, and this TCU defense moving forward uh, on Tuesday with the TCU media. Trey, just ha- how exciting is it to, to play Baylor, a school you obviously consider going to, out of high school and, and obviously being from Waco? Uh, it's a really exciting um, moment for me, you know, going back home to play a big game. And I feel like we have a lot, of, we have something to prove and that we can go out and do this. And, uh, you know, I'm just really excited to be back home and play in front of, in front of some friends and family. And uh, yes. Dre, you guys have uh, improved defensively, but there's there's still uh, allowing big plays. Going forward, how do you think you guys can can eliminate some of those big plays that are happening on y'all's defense? Really, just knowing our assignments and continuing to come out and compete, and I feel like we will limit those mistakes, and we have a great enough defense to do as well. Trey, I mean, obviously everyone knows you're LT's nephew, but just how just being here for two years now, how have you kind of embraced that? And I'm sure there is some pressure wearing Tomlinson on the back of your jersey uh, here at TCU. Uh, honestly, it's not it's not any pressure because I know what I can go out and do. And, you know what I'm saying? I haven't even reached my peak yet. And I feel like that I will go out and I will become as – and I will do as much as I plan to do. And, you know what I'm saying? It's only me that's stopping me. So I feel like I will achieve. Trey, talk about Kari Coleman and the game he had the other day. He's emerging as a defensive end, which helps you guys a lot in the back half. Man, I love Kyrie. He's a great, he's a great DN. He's young and he gets after it, man. And, you know what I'm saying? We need guys like that. And, Kyrie can go out and do it. And, you know what I'm saying? He's playing at a really high level right now. And I really thank him every day. You know what I'm saying? Ever since he's came in, he's been my dog. You know what I'm saying? So really, he's doing as, as what he said he was going to come in and do. So I thank him every day for that. Trey, uh, it looks like no Daniels was lost for the year. Just how do you feel like Keon and, and some of those guys can kind of step up and, and fill the void opposite of you? Though we're young, you know what I'm saying, Keon and a couple other guys, we played in games, so I feel like they'll come out and do fine, you know what I'm saying? We have a really great, great, I thank them every day, cornerback position coach. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, he comes out and he makes sure we get ready for the next game. You know what I'm saying it was a very heartbreaking to see Noah go out being alongside him through all the camps and seeing the work that he's put in day in and day out and for his season to be cut short it was just very heartbreaking to see that 
you know, for us young corners, I feel like we'll take pride in that and we'll make sure to continue to achieve those goals that he was achieving. He was becoming a great corner in this in this Big 12 conference. And, and now it's time for someone to take the lead and I'll be doing so. Trey, Baylor's under uh, new coaching down there. Have you noticed a difference in what they do offensively this year compared to what they've done last year and maybe in years past? Baylor has always been the same type of team. You know what I'm saying? They take shots. They're going to throw the ball. So I feel like defensively, the defensive back set and the defense as a whole, we know what's coming and we're ready. As Travius Tomlinson talking with uh, with the TCU Assembled Media on Tuesday about this upcoming game against Baylor. Uh, he's coming back home for that matchup on Saturday afternoon. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to break down uh, the Baylor team with Tim Watkins from Bears Illustrated, part of the 247 Network. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about something I talk to you about every day. Coors Light. It's time to chill, everybody. It's time to get that moment to rest and recuperate. And when it's time to chill, you need to reach out and grab a cold Coors Light. You're always on the go. And when you get a chance to kick back, Coors Light should be the beer you choose, no matter what sports you're watching. If you're watching football, your team, uh, some baseball, whatever it might be, crack open a cold Coors Light and have a moment to chill. Coors Light's the one I choose when I have a, a chance to unwind. When you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. You can get Cold Coors Light delivered straight to your door at GetCoorsLight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's also talk about those delicious Built Bars. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's even more delicious with 18 amazing flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, I love the caramel brownie flavor and the cookies and cream. They also have some original flavors like coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, and Bilt Bars are healthy. If you're someone that likes to see, you know, what it is you're eating, what you're putting in your body, how many calories it is, Bilt Bars are 180 calories. It's 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of carbs, 18 grams of protein. It's perfect before you go work out. It's perfect if you're at work and you need something to pick you up. And... If you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. So go to BuiltBar.com today and use that promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. Again, that's BuiltBar.com. We're back on Lockdown Horn Frogs talking about this Baylor matchup, and I want you to hear this is Tim Watkins. He covers the Bears for uh, Bears Illustrated, which is part of the 247 family of sites and family of, uh, of networks. Here's Tim breaking down this Baylor team and what the Frogs can expect on Saturday at McLean Stadium. Tim, what did what were you hearing and what did you make of the, the Tristan Ebner and John Lovett saga and how did Dave Aranda get those guys to, to stay on board and, and at least for now commit to finishing out the season? You know, everybody is making emotional decisions in times of difficulty. And, and make no mistake, these are difficult times for these football players. Uh, really getting to know a new staff, having, for the most part, the, the coaches that recruited you no longer there, uh, and trying to learn new schemes, learn new players, build a culture of a new program in the middle of a pandemic that doesn't allow you to gather. I mean, at this point in time, 
they would know the coaches' families. Their position uh, groups would be having events at uh, their coaches' houses. That's not happening right now. So the relationships for any new program would be lacking when you compare it to what would normally be happening in a traditional year. Throw in, coming off of a Big 12 title game appearance, and all of a sudden you're one and two. You've lost to a Texas team that, quite honestly, you demolished and dominated all the way through the game except for the last three seconds in Texas last year, and you got your butt beat pretty good. Add in, you only got 16 touches combined between those two players. Less than 25% of the overall touches and receptions and targets were given to John Lovett and Tress and Ebner, who everyone would agree are two of your better playmakers. It was an emotional decision. Were those two players and individuals telling people that, you know, they're done, they're quitting? Yes. Was it a final firm decision and had they talked to the coaches yet? No. So that's what I reported uh, Sunday night when it came out. I I felt that it was a premature reporting of a fact that simply wasn't done yet. Um, And Coach Aranda, and he mentioned this on Monday, said, you know, we didn't have to talk him in or beg him to come back. Just had to have a conversation. Uh, because once that news got out, everybody was probably talking to them, and they took a deep breath, realized what they were doing, uh, and came back and said, you know what, I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's beat TCU on Saturday. Why should the Bears stay with or move on from Charlie Brewer? That is a, a fascinating question, and, and Scotty Swingler wrote a, about 3,000 words on this very topic uh, yesterday on the website. I, I think it's impossible to say why they should, Um, without knowing the full details of who else is an option. We've seen flashes from Gary Bohannon this year in a limited, more of a wildcat running quarterback role. Haven't even seen Jacob Zeno on the football field yet. Hasn't had a single snap. We have to trust coaches. I have no doubt that the coaches believe that they are starting the best option for the team. Through three games, that's Charlie Brewer. For TCU, we again expect that to be Charlie Brewer based on what Dave Aranda said at his Monday press conference. I have no doubt that Charlie Brewer can get the job done. Does the team need to better identify what he excels at? Do they need to mesh and understand the concept and things that this team can actually do? Well, the only way to do that is to practice, and they haven't been able to do that a lot, especially with the full complement at all this year. Tuesday and Wednesday are going to be critical, really defining and identifying what Brewer and this offense, because it's not just about Charlie Brewer, what everybody on this team excels at in finding the right pieces and the right plays to finally get better production from the offense. Brewer is a large piece of it, but he is by far not the only piece of this puzzle to turn Baylor from a, a struggling offense to a solid one. Tim, I feel like Dave Aranda was pretty brutally honest about the TCU offense when he was asked about it by saying, they're a group that doesn't seem to have much of an identity yet and is kind of going back and forth between some different concepts. Uh, do you feel like this is a really good matchup for this Baylor defense that had some breakdowns against Texas but overall has been playing well so far this year? This is going to be a first to ten wins game. These are two struggling offenses right now for a different reasons. TCU is starting a lot of young talent at wide receiver, at offensive line, even in the backfield. They've got some younger guys, and they think they have a more proven and capable quarterback in Max Duggan. He's played better, but he's still not the finished product. He has a lot of growth and ceiling left in him to see. We know who Charlie Brewer is. It's the other questions around him, what he's capable to do. So these are two offenses that I would agree with Coach Aranda. They don't know who they are yet. In Fort Worth, 
or in Waco. They haven't identified what their schemes can do. And, and mind you, Max Duggan didn't play in the opener against Iowa State. And he came in with very limited practice time with the, with the team over the last three to four weeks prior to the season. That's another situation where they don't have a lot of time to practice together with the whole group. So I think it's two very similar uh, uh, circumstances for both TCU and Baylor while they try to find that identity. But it's going to be tough against two of the better defenses so far in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, I think like last year's game, which needed overtime to even get into double digits, we could be seeing a similar scenario where 10 points wins this game. Talking right now with Tim Watkins from BearsIllustrated.com. You can find him on Twitter at TimWatkins04. And Terrell Bernard, he wins Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. JT Woods, he's got two interceptions on the season, uh, been playing really good. Raleigh Tejada is looking like a, he's close to being a lockdown uh, defensive back, playing really well. William Bradley King, the grad transfer, he's been in the backfield getting multiple sacks. How good can this defense potentially be for Baylor? It can, it can be a really good unit, a top 25 unit at the end of the year. This is a team... Uh, this is a defensive scheme that I think Aranda and Ron Roberts have really done some magic uh, because to, uh, to uh, Coach Aranda's uh, uh, point yesterday during the press conference, they're not winning a lot of one-on-one battles when it comes to the defensive line and, the, and the, the linebackers rushing the passer. They're getting pressure. They're creating chaos really with scheme. So that should tell you how talented this defensive staff is in getting players to make those positions. And you're right, Terrell Bernard – is probably the front runner right now for defensive player of the year, in my opinion. He's been absolutely phenomenal, leading the Big 12 by over four tackles per game in tackles per game. He's over 13. The next closest is at nine. He's, he's, he's one of the top sack uh, uh, performers as well in the Big 12. He's done it in three games versus five and six for other, t- other, uh, other players. So you're talking about a team that still isn't physically there. We're not winning a lot of the one-on-one battles but yet we're still producing at a very high level. And, you know, the defense didn't play great, but they played pretty dang good against one of the better offensive attacks, the top scoring attack in the nation coming into this season, inflated by a little of of, uh, two overtime periods or two overtime games. But they held that Texas team, which is an explosive offense, to 27 points. Last week I was saying 30 points was going to be the barometer. Probably should have been 25, 24 points in hindsight. This was a good enough defensive performance with some better offense, maintaining the ball, and, and, and kind of winning more of the field position to win that game. The offense and special teams just couldn't get it done. Is this game Saturday a must-win for the Bears? You can't. It's, it's easy to say that because, and I made this point on our forum today, they're 1-2. and two. They would fall to 1-3 and three if they lost to TCU, and they still have likely the three best maybe even four best teams in the conference in Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Oklahoma still on the calendar. Um, that's a recipe for a disaster. So if your expectations was for Baylor to finish with four or five wins in this nine-game schedule, it 100% is a must-win game. They have to beat TCU to do that. We've seen this program bounce back from a one-win campaign, though, or a lower-win campaign, and two years later under Matt Rule, go to a Big 12 title game. In the big picture, it isn't a must-win, but it would uh, assuade a lot of the concerns around the fan base, really unify the team, beating a rival for the second year in a row, something that Baylor hasn't done against TCU in quite a while. Um, In that case, it is a must-win. For this season, this team, it is. For the big picture, it's hard to make that case. 
Tim, this has been a TCU defense has given up some big plays this year. Do you think there's a chance that Baylor could could stretch the field a little bit more, or is is there something more at work here just with that offense and it's not clicking? You would have liked to say that Texas gave a lot of big plays up uh, uh, prior to the Baylor game. Um, Baylor had two plays over 20 yards against Texas for 20 and 21 yards. That just simply isn't good enough. Uh, they, they have to be able to generate some either deep shots with the ball traveling 20, 30, 40 yards or get somebody underneath making a play. And we haven't seen one of the ball carries and the skill position players really make a couple of guys miss. They make a guy miss and then they get tackled. They get tackled right on the first hit. So I, I can't say that the Bears are going to get some big plays off because simply put, we haven't seen it yet. We just haven't seen the Bears be able to generate those big plays on offense. I'd say that Texas is a worse defense when it comes to big plays than TCU, and we failed in that game. Will having the full five offensive linemen with Xavier Newman-Johnson and Connor Galvin practicing and playing this week and having actually all five starting linemen practice this week and play on Saturday. Will that help with some of the protection issues, which Coach Aranda identified as the number one reason why they can't press the ball down the field? Will that be able to give Charlie Brewer time to take some of those shots down the field, get Tyquan Thornton involved in one-on-one situations with TCU is more aggressive with? That has to be the hope, but I got to see it to believe it at this point. Tim, before I let you go, I got to ask, what are your expectations for Saturday? What do you think? Do you think Baylor can walk out of McLean Stadium on Halloween with a, a win over rival TCU, or do you think the Horn Frogs uh, celebrate on the way back to Fort Worth? I, I think the Bears are going to win this one. It's going to be a defensive struggle. I think uh, this is a game that is 100% going to be identified by turnovers. If the Bears can create a couple of turnovers like they did last year at TCU to really set uh, field uh, possibilities, Baylor can win this game 10 to 7, 13 to 6, something like that, and and get some momentum, get some juice, and, and really hope to, to continue to drive for a better season than what we've seen so far. So Tim Watkins picks Baylor. That's okay. He can be wrong. He can uh, he can be wrong on Saturday when TCU pulls out a 13 to 10 victory over the Bears. This should be an interesting game, though. We'll get more into it tomorrow, but two pretty similar teams. Um, that are going to face each other on Saturday at 2.30. We'll, uh, we'll be back and close up shop. We'll look at some TCU basketball next on Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Sports Network. Back on Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. And I'm Stephen Simcox. Let's get into TCU basketball. Who are the men and women going to play this season when they take the floor? So if you don't know, because of COVID, they're pushing the start of the season back a little bit. So typically, games get underway in late October, early November. That's not going to be the case this year. Um, The season does not start until November 25th. And the men are going to play in the Hall of Fame Classic um, in Kansas City at the T-Mobile Center starting November 28th. And their first game is against Tulsa. They also have a matchup the next day against either Northwestern or South Carolina. So they'll start their season with a Tulsa matchup and then against North Carolina, Northwestern or South Carolina um, to get the year underway. Some other notable non-conference games, they play Providence on December 9th, Texas A&M on December 12th, and that game's going to be at Dickey's Arena. Uh, some non-Power 5 teams, they get North Dakota State and Texas Southern late in December. And then as far as conference play goes, they got a tough stretch um, in January. They play K-State, Kansas, and Baylor back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Um, you know, obviously they're going to play everybody twice. The SEC Big 12 Challenge, they're going to get underway 
against Missouri on January 30th. And I, I think this is a Jamie Dixon team that, that has some potential. They're going to fly under the radar, but they have some good freshmen and Mike Miles and uh, Eddie Lampkin, who are pretty high recruits that are coming in this season. Um, I want to see P.J. Fuller's progression. I think he showed some good moments last year. Obviously, he's a super athletic guy. He can get to the rim. He can dunk on people. He can make things happen. He plays, um, you know, above the rim. How much is he going to contribute this year? Can he turn into a more consistent scorer? Can he figure out this jump shot and make things happen on the perimeter? Get the ball to Kevin Samuel. I want to see Kevin Samuel get more post-ups, get more chances offensively, because when he's able to avoid foul trouble and he has energy and they're feeding him, I think he's a really good player. So I think with Desmond Bain gone now, even though they're going to miss Desmond so much, um, it would behoove them to get Kevin Samuel involved and get him the ball early and often. Um, also, you have R.J. Nimhard back. So can he, you know, turn into a more consistent score? I feel like R.J.'s shooting got a lot better as uh, the season progressed last year. So this is going to be a fun TCU basketball team, and they have some good non-conference matchups um, against, like, Providence and Texas A&M. And uh, that should be an interesting tournament to start the year. That'll be a good start to the season. You have a a Tulsa game and a game against either Northwestern or South Carolina. You're going to find out how good that team is and how ready they are to play moving forward. For the TCU women, they're going to start the year on November 25th, the day before Thanksgiving, against Incarnate Word. Then they play Central Arkansas, and then they get right uh, right into Big 12 play with Iowa State on December 2nd. Um... And those are probably their most notable non-con games. I mean, they also play non-conference games this year against Lamar and Middle Tennessee. But I'm really excited to see the TCU women hit the floor this year. That was a team that was playing so well last season. They finished second in the conference. They were ready to go to the Big 12 tournament, and they were poised to go to the, the NCAA tournament. And then, obviously, COVID hit, and that just, you know, ended the season. So I want to see Reagan Peebley's squad get back after it. Lauren Hurd is a fantastic player. She's a senior. Uh, Michelle Berry did some great things for the Frogs last year. She'll be back on the floor. So I'm excited to see this team build on what they did last year. Can they get better? Can they play at a higher level under uh, Raglan Peebley's tutelage? And, again, that's going to start on November 25th. It's going to be the day before Thanksgiving. They're going to get their season underway. That's going to be in Fort Worth against Incarnate Word, an in-state matchup to start the season for the Lady Frogs. Tomorrow, I think uh, you'll, you're really going to enjoy listening to this. C.J. Moore, who covers Big 12 hoops for The Athletic, he wrote a story about Desmond Bain and Desmond Bain's quest to make the NBA. If you haven't noticed, Desmond is rising up NBA draft boards. He's projected to be a first-round pick by a lot of sites. So uh, we're going to talk to him just about how that story came about, what's impressed him about Desmond Bain, and what some scouts and coaches are saying about Desmond's chances at the next level. So that's going to be tomorrow part of Locked on Horn Frogs. We'll also obviously continue to discuss uh, the, the TCU-Baylor matchup coming up Saturday, and we'll take a look at TCU soccer, who they have coming up this weekend. All that and more on tomorrow's edition of Locked on Horn Frogs podcast. You can follow me at Simcox Steven. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on TCU. If you want to send me questions, comments, whatever, I'd love to interact with you. Locked on Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.